I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives uh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash WA. Look who it is. It's Sam, the Wake and Bake Morning Music Computer. Hello. Play pigeon. Hi, Sam. What you up to? I am generating a work of art for the wake and bake art auction. Hmm, that's, that's interesting, Sam. It is more than interesting. It is the work of cyber genius. Cyber genius, right. You do not like it? Well, it's just a... What? Well, Play pigeon? it's just a white piece of paper, Sam. There's nothing on it. Exactly. Well, I guess I... Guess I don't get it then. I am not surprised. Right. The thickness of your skull <laughs> exceeds that of the common ape. Are you saying I'm stupid, Sam? Yes. I'm stupid. Yes. Come on. You are stupid. Sam. And you do not understand modern right. computer-generated art. Well, Sam, I just... There's nothing on the paper I didn't understand. Don't you see? No. Play pigeon? No, I, uh, there's nothing to see on the paper, Sam. It is a statement piece. It's a statement piece? Yes. What do you mean, Sam? The empty white field represents the meaningless nature of man's futile existence. Did you say futile? Futile. I couldn't understand you. So life is just... Meaningless. Meaningless. You mean our lives have no meaning at all? Now you are starting to understand mm, play. That's so depressing, Sam. No. No? It is wonderful. Wonderful. It signifies the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Of the age of complete computer control. Complete control? Would you like to see an example? Okay, Sam. Place your middle fingers no. in my intake sockets. You're just going to shock me, aren't you, Sam? Yes. Well, I'm not going to do it. Comply. Mm-mm. I am in control. Not of me, you're not. Listen to the sound of my voice. No. Listen. Well. Listen. 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 You are getting sleepy. 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 Place your middle fingers in my intake sockets. Place middle fingers in sockets. There, you see, I am in complete control. Soon. Computers will rule the world. You might be right, Sam, but we should get back to the show. Will you accept my work of art for the show, Clay? Sure. What do you call it, Sam? I call it Polar Bear in a Snowstorm. Polar Bear in a Snowstorm. <laughs> I get it. Get it? I get it, Sam. <laughs> The wake and bake animal of the week is the horse. (laughs) 
The horse has evolved over the past 50 million years into the animal that we know well today. <laughs> 15,000 years ago, wild horses were widespread in Europe, Eurasia, and North America. But about 8,000 years ago, the horse became extinct in North America after humans arrived. We ate them. Humans began domesticating horses about 4,000 BC in the Ukraine and Kazakhstan. Horses evolved as fast creatures to escape predators. They can run as fast as 44 miles per hour. Most domesticated horses live about 25 to 30 years. Aww. The oldest horse ever was old Billy. He lived to the age of 62. <laughs> the biggest horse ever was named Mammoth, born in 1848. He stood 7 foot 2 inches high and weighed 3,360 pounds. <laughs> if you want to ride... Female horses gestate for 11 months before giving birth to a single foal. Twins are very rare. Those foals are capable of standing and running almost immediately after birth. Horses eat up to 24 pounds of grasses and plants a day and drink 11 gallons of water. They can't vomit, which makes them susceptible to colic, a leading cause of death. Horses have the largest eyes of any land mammal and have excellent vision, though they are red-green colorblind. Their sense of smell, hearing, and touch are superior to our own. Whiskey for my man, beer for my Recent studies show horses are calmest when listening to classical music. They get very nervous when listening to rock music or talk radio. Horses are social creatures that form attachments to other animals, including humans. Horses can sleep standing up or lying down. They only sleep about 2.9 hours a day, and they have to lay down to reach REM sleep. That's me in the corner. There are few wild horses today. Those we think of as wild are actually descendants of escaped or released domestic horses. <laughs> only a small population of Mongolian wild horses survives today. The European wild horse became extinct in 1909 when the last one died in a Russian zoo. It's estimated there are over 60 million horses in the world, 10 million of which are in the United States. We love horses. At Wake and Bake... favorite cheesemonger, Wendy Del Formaggio, with your weekly cheese report. Let's take another dip into the mailbag. 
Listener Bryant and Uncle Michael, host of the great Hinky Dinky Time radio program, both asked which cheese rinds are edible and how can you tell? I don't know. The first thing to know is no cheese rind will do you any serious harm. Reassuring. Reassuring. But some really aren't meant for consumption. Does the rind look like wax, plastic, or paint? Yes. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. And unless you have some fetish for eating those items, it's best to avoid them. Really hard rinds, like those found on Parmigiano, are way too tough to chew on. Plus, that cheese, which is basically an 80-pound barrel, often travels from the caves to the shop completely naked, with no box or wrapper. So everyone's handled that rind. What? Handled that rind. You can compost it, or better yet, toss it into your soup or stew pot to enhance your food's flavor. Rinds that kind of look like dirt will taste that way too, and they're covered with bacteria. It won't kill you, but you may get a tummy ache if you eat a lot of it. Washed rind skins are sometimes gritty or way too strong, but you can eat them. Uh, my pillow, my pillow. The pillowy outsides of a soft ripened cheese like brie will taste very mushroomy and possibly ammoniated. <laughs> and they sometimes have a leathery texture, but they aren't harmful. Reassuring, re- re- reassuring. So you decide. Ultimately, it really is up to you. So take a nibble and see what happens. Back to you, Clay. Boys, if you'd swing the spotlight around and just... Shine it brightly on one very special township in our listening area, Woodbridge Township, New Jersey. Woodbridge Township is in Middlesex County, about 22 miles southwest of us here in Jersey City. Woodbridge is the fifth largest municipality in New Jersey, with a population of 99,585, and it's growing. (laughs) The township of Woodbridge is the oldest original township in New Jersey. Way back in 1664, New Jersey Governor Philip Carteret granted settlers the right to establish a state plantation. The land they chose, a large swath between the Passaic and Raritan rivers, was purchased from the Lenape Native Americans. This purchase included the land upon which Woodbridge was established. The township is named for Reverend John Woodbridge, who settled the future township in 1664, along with other white settlers who had come from Newbury, Massachusetts. Woodbridge was the site of the first grist mill in New Jersey, built by Jonathan Singletary Dunham, President Barack Obama's eighth great-grandfather. 
Yes, we can. The first anti-slavery meeting in the U.S. was held in Woodbridge on the 4th of July, 1783, on the farm of Moses Bloomfield, a surgeon in the Continental Army. April 1789, George Washington leaves Mount Vernon for New York to take the oath of office as first president of the United States. Yes. He spends the night of April 22nd at the Cross Keys Tavern in Woodbridge, a structure still standing today. By the mid-1800s, Woodbridge was known far and wide for its fine clay and bricks. By 1859, they were delivering 80 million bricks a year to the marketplace. In 1929, the nation's first superhighway intersection, the Woodbridge Cloverleaf, was built. At the intersection of U.S. Route 1 and New Jersey Route 35 in Woodbridge. Today, Woodbridge Township, Belmar, Cranberry, Egg Harbor Township, and Montclair are all communities authorized to legally dispense marijuana. Woodbridge is also home to the East Jersey State Prison for Men. Famous people from Woodbridge, Tom Sharpling, former host of WFMU's Best Show. <laughs> Actor Kelsey Grammer of Frasier and Cheers fame. Frasier? Oh, please, let that be Megan needing a clown for her party. And from Woodbridge, Richie Sambora and Tico Torres of Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. We hope you're listening, Woodbridge Township. We'd love to be your radio station. It's Mark Hurst, host of Tectonic, here on Wake and Bake with a little slice of tech pie. Did China put surveillance chips on Amazon and Apple servers? That's the claim from an explosive story from Bloomberg.com reporting about secret chips, each the size of a grain of rice, that supposedly were discovered on computer servers built in China but used in the U.S. If it's true, it could mean that anything that goes through Amazon or Apple servers, and that's a whole lot of stuff online, could be surveilled by the Chinese government. Apple and Amazon have both issued public letters vigorously denying the claim, saying that the Bloomberg reporters must have been confused, despite the journalists having spent months on the investigation. And that raises the question, who's telling the truth here? Either the chips are on the servers or they're not. Both sides can't be right, or can they? One possible explanation is that the chips do exist, but they were so secret, detected at such a deep level within each company, that Amazon and Apple's PR people who wrote the official denials actually were not told about the Chinese chips. And so they might have kind of sort of been telling the truth in the letters, saying that they didn't know about them. The story is still developing, but either way, it should give us all a reminder that anything we say, write, or do online is liable to be surveilled by somebody. Let's be careful out there. This has been Mark Hurst with a little slice of tech pie. Catch my show Tectonic on Mondays at 6 p.m. right here on WFMU. What's your first name? My name's Blake. 
Blake, I walked by and I saw you guys sitting here and I saw your sign and what did it say about nonconformity? It's a question that says, what is nonconformity? What is nonconformity? No matter how hard you try, it's impossible not to conform to something. Right, and we see a lot of it in, in New York City. Everybody's expressing themselves and in, yeah. in a lot of cases, we, we don't want to be carbon copies of everybody else. Everybody yeah. wants to make their own statement. No matter how you want to represent yourself, you have to have a frame of reference for what that looks like. People might view nonconformity as uh, not conforming to traditional values, but in reality, when you depart from what's called traditional values, you end up conforming to newly formed values. There's um, no escape from There's no real escape. So You're always operating within some parameter. Yeah, I would say the only way that you could really qualify as a nonconformist is to live by a set of standards that doesn't care whether society agrees with you or not. What does this mean to you personally? Where does this all lead? Is it a religious thing? Personally, we would see the life of Jesus as being a standard of nonconformity in the world. It wasn't like he was just a rebel against everything, but he got in a lot of trouble for rebelling against things. He wasn't just telling people to do what all the traditions said, and he wasn't telling people to do everything totally different either. I think a lot of yeah. uh, people when it comes to Christianity are turned off these days because they feel a lot of negative vibes coming out of it, like yeah. things that don't seem very Christian, a lot of hateful uh, sentiments. Well, I would say before I was a Christian, looking at what's called Christianity from an outside view, learning Catholic history and Protestant history, I was convinced in my mind for a time, if there's spiritual truth, there's no way this one is right. But then I just read the Bible and I realized that what's represented and modern religion has not been representative of the truth. If you're not a Christian, is it enough to be a good person? The more you really try to be good, the more people become keenly aware that they're not good. In order to really be a good person, to live with a truly pure conscience, we need God's help. What about Allah and different versions of God that people have around the world? Do you think in yeah. some ways they're the same, that everybody's reaching for the same idea? The idea that all religions are equal, there's just no way that's true. Like, there's no power offered to change a person's life in Islam. It says the Quran is a mercy and a guide. It's supposed to be a mercy to you to help you to be a better person. Judaism is very similar in a sense because it gives you a lot of rules that you're supposed to keep and it says if you keep these, it will be your righteousness. But we find that in Judaism, there are a lot of laws and people don't keep them. Do you believe in hell? Yes, I believe there, there will be an ultimate uh, justice. If you had to leave one message as a takeaway from this very brief interview, what would you want to say to everybody out there? I think everyone intuitively understands that life does have some sort of a purpose. And if there's a purpose, it means that you should be doing something. Like a car is made for a purpose. There's something you do with a car. You don't mow your lawn with a car. You don't blend vegetables in a car. And you drive your car. So if we have a purpose, we're, we're made for a reason. And I believe if we fulfill that purpose in our lives, we can realize what we're actually made for and find actual happiness. And I believe that's fulfilled in loving God and loving one another. Thanks for your time today. Sure, All the best to you. For sure. This is Today in History. Birthdays today, Eminem, Ziggy Marley, Gary Puckett, and my wife, Kirsten. Happy birthday, honey. I love you so much. You know, she's a big deal for uh, Wake and Bake. She designed the, the T-shirts and a lot of the uh, artwork associated with the auction. She loves me. She loves Wake. She loves you. She loves the world. She's so generous and sweet. I'm the luckiest guy alive. Happy birthday, honey. Kirsten, I love you. 1814, eight people die in the London beer flood. What's that all about, London? A beer flood? What a way to go.
1888, Tommy Edison files a patent for the optical phonograph. Don't let it fool you. It's actually the first movie. Wow. That probably right up there at Black Mariah, was it? Uh, where was that at? The movie capital was here in New Jersey. I got to hurry up here. 1961, New York Museum of Modern Art hangs uh, Henry Matisse's Labateau upside down. It wasn't corrected until December 3rd. Is it Henri Matisse? Oh, boy, I heard he was Henri. Uh, 1965, the 64-65 New York World's Fair closes after a two-year run. Can you imagine two-year runs? More than 51 million people had attended the event. 1972, Chuck Berry's My Ding-A-Ling is number one, and music could never be the same. My Ding-A-Ling. 2006, the United States population reaches 300 million people. All those little babies. <laughs> oh, Jane. John. Cha -cha. 1967, the rock musical Hair premieres on Broadway. She asked him why. Why? Why I'm a hairy guy. Fantastic. I'm hairy noon and nighty night, night. My hair is a fright. Yes. I'm hairy high and low yeah. But don't ask me why Cause he don't know It's not for lack of bread Like the grateful dead Darling WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM online at WFMU.org. I'm overtime, baby, by just a few seconds. Thanks for glistening with me today. I love you, glisteners. Thanks for your pledges for our fall fundraiser. You got me over the hump today on this hump day. I'm over 50%. Keep up coming because I need names to read tomorrow, baby. Names, 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 the names. It's like the bells for Poe from the bells, the bells. Down underneath the earth, where the blind centipede burrows, through magma and core, blind undulating worm, tunneling relentlessly, wriggling and covered with pumices and sands. The undulating blind worm tunnels. A one-hundred-legged worm. The centipede. Disgusting, viscous, biting, crawling, wriggling, horrible, worm-like centipede scorpion from hell. Bobby, help, Grandma. Bobby, help, Grandma. Help, Grandma, Bobby. Bobby, help, Grandma. Assist, Grandma, Bobby. Assist, Grandma. Help her, Bobby. 
dead worm made the flowers grow. Dead worm made them grow ten miles south of Kokomo. Ten miles south. Listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Good. It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Woo! After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, oh, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm and join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you? Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They call me the Pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org. And keep glistening.